All right, well, if you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to be back in 2 Peter. Uh, last week, we looked at 2 Peter, verses 1 through 11. And uh, what we talked about last week was how 1 through 11, and actually the whole book of 2 Peter, um, kind of has a different feel to it than uh, the 1 the Peter did. 1 uh, Peter had really was an admonition to those that were dispersed, that were out there, that were suffering for the sake of the gospel. And 2 Peter is really... Peter's letter to believers uh, as his time is drawing nigh. Uh, in fact, you will see in just a moment where Peter actually brings up the fact that his time is short, that uh, his life is coming to an end. And really, the words that Peter has for us this morning, I think, are valuable. I think they're valuable as we look at where we are today, where we will be tomorrow, and also the heritage that we leave those that are behind us. So let's begin here, looking at 2 Peter. We're going to pick up in verse 11. In fact, I think probably the best thing would be just go ahead and read it again, starting with verse 1 since we're right at the beginning, and go into verse 11. And the goal today, Lord willing, is to get through at least all of chapter 1 and maybe even somewhat into chapter 2. We'll just see how time allows for us to make it. So again, beginning in verse 1 of chapter 1, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have attained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Verse 8. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, verse 10, Brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, verse 11, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I took a moment this morning just to write down three different phrases that will kind of wrap up the last little bit that we talked about last week and just reviewed again by reading this morning. First, Second Peter begins by telling us that we are to be growing daily. And I believe that's what we talked about last week as we were looking through the scriptures. That we are to be growing intentionally. That we are to fervently be chasing after godliness. That we are to fervently be chasing after being righteous before God. That we are consistently growing and doing those things intentionally. That will bring us not only into a closer relationship with Christ. But that will draw us closer to His image. And also, I like the last part, which I have to explain a little bit. You'll be, you, you're growing evidentially. Being that there is evidence of your faith in your life. And not only fruit that other people can see, but fruit that also that, that you also can see. And that really hinges on verse 10 where it says, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. If you practice these qualities, you will never fall. 
Now, I, I do want to ask you as we are about to kind of progress into the second part of this first chapter, why you think it is that Peter mentioned this in verse 10. Uh, my personal feeling on this particular verse is that there are many people in this world that call themselves believers in Christ, and yet their, their life does not match up to what they profess. Uh, there are a lot of people who go through the motions of being a Christian, who go through the motions of being what they think a believer should be, but their heart and their mind is not impacted, and really there's no difference between them and the world. So I would say to you this morning, and I believe this is what Second Peter says to us, we should make sure that what we believe is what we believe, and what we believe is who we are, and we practice what we believe in everything that we do. If our life is not transformed by the gospel... If our, our life is not transformed by the reading of God's word, by, by fellowship with God, by fellowship with other believers, if our life is not changed, if we are not growing, then we've got a problem. And I think that's what we ended on last week, just this whole notion of he wants us to make sure to look at our own lives and make sure we, in fact, as we see in other scriptures, are in the faith. So making sure that our calling and our election is sure. Now, as we come to verse 12, we're really going to start hitting on this whole idea that Peter has as he's writing this letter, that his time is coming to a close. So let's begin in verse 12 if we could. Therefore, he says, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me, and I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. Nurses, teachers, um, other professions have to go through certification every couple of years. They have to go through training courses that remind them of the elemental things of their trade, the elemental things of their practice. And the goal of those is to show them things they may not be aware of, to remind them of good practices that they should already be doing, and maybe even in, to introduce them into new ways of doing things. You know, it's not bad to get a reminder. In fact, it's very helpful to get a reminder. I've gotten to that age and actually been there for a long time. I don't really know that age has anything to do with it. But when somebody asked me to do something, I used to say I would do it, and then I felt like a liar if I did do it because I forgot. So now I say, if I remember... And it was really fun until everybody else that talked to me started saying the same thing. They said, well, if I remember. And so I always have to say, how can I help you to remember? Uh, I hate to say it, we are a forgetful people. Um, and I think that's throughout history. I don't think that's something that's specific to Americans. I don't think that's something that's specific to us. But we are a forgetful people. If you go back in the Old Testament and you see the Israelites, the Israelites were an extremely forgetful people. All the amazing things that God had done for them, all the places that God had carried them out of, and God has sustained them and protected them. And yet when Moses is up on the mountain getting the commandments, what do they do? They build a calf to worship while they're out there because they forget. They're short-sighted. And it would be easy for us to kind of draw, uh, cast blame at them and accuse them and make fun of them. But the reality is we're all of that mindset. If we're not reminded, if we don't have something right in front of our face on a regular basis, we are going to forget. 
And Peter understands that. And we should understand that. And so in verse 12, it makes sense where he tells us that his intention is to remind them of these qualities. To remind them what it means to be godly. To remind them of what godliness looks like. And he says it's good. And he says in verse 13 that as long as I'm in the body, I'm going to do my best to stir up this in you in the way of a reminder since I know my end is coming soon. It's okay to remind people what it means to be godly. You know, we, get, we know that people get tired of hearing us. I mean, that's just true. My kids, they get tired of hearing me. My, my son uh, the other day was driving, and he had one more friend than he was supposed to have in the car by law, and my dad mentioned it to him, and he tried to kind of shrug my dad off and try to, um, is, there a, is there a traffic stop down the road and trying to be funny? I don't know where he gets it from. But he was trying to be funny about it, and I've reminded him, and I've told him, and I've reminded him, and you know what I needed to do yesterday? I needed to, and I did remind him one more time. So I went to the state of Georgia website for the rules for drivers, and I took a screenshot of it, and I said, here, I want you to remember this, and I put it at the bottom. In case you forget, I'll be taking your license for a week or so to help you remember. And you know what he said? Okay. But you know what he's going to do, right? He's going to do what you and I do many times. He, he's going to kind of do what he wants to do. You know, we're like that, and we need a reminder. We need somebody to encourage us, someone to direct us. And, and what, what Peter is telling them about is not a reminder about something, and I hate to say as simple as making sure you have the right number of occupants in your car when you're driving down the road. He's not reminding them that you need to follow the speed limit. What, what Peter is reminding them of is something that really ultimately has eternal implications. And he wants them to be reminded that God loves them, that God died, that Christ died for them so that they could be saved, and that there is an expectation of godliness in the life that they live. And Peter, knowing his time was nigh, knowing that he was about to cross the barrier into the world beyond, he wanted to remind them. And, and when I think about this, and, and something that comes to my mind is he was trying to produce or maintain the spiritual heritage that he had put in place in his life. The best thing that you can give your children, and the best thing that you can give your grandchildren, and the best thing that you can give your nieces and nephews, the best thing that you can give the people that know you well, is you can give them a heritage that shouts out to the glory of God, that shouts out to the majesty of Christ. Peter wanted to leave that spiritual heritage for those that were left in his midst. Now, in America, what are we looking forward to if we're able to do it? We want to retire, right? Everybody's got a different dream in retirement. Some people just want to sit there and just have somebody roll them over from time to time and feed them. That's just some people's dream. Just let me sit in my chair on the front porch, feed me when it's time to feed me, tell me it's time to go to bed, give me a couple of good books and leave me Alone. There are retirement communities in Florida and other places where they don't allow children. It literally they have a policy, no children allowed in this community. Some people, as they get older, they want to make sure that they don't have to worry about them bothersome children anymore. I'm sorry, those bothersome, not them, those bothersome children anymore. They kind of want to escape the world. Some people want to get in their RVs and go just travel. 
I'm not going to lie, I'd love to be able to do that. That's kind of one of my goals in life, if it ever happens, is to be able to travel some and, and, and do some things like that. And Lord willing, when I get there, I'll think I'd rather be back home and then go back home and save a whole lot of money. But I probably won't happen. He'll probably want to keep going. But a lot of people have an idea of what they want to do as they get older. A lot of people have an idea of what they want to do as they get to the end of their days. But let me ask this morning, as you look at your life, are you looking to invest and leave a spiritual heritage behind to those that came before you, or came after you? Are you looking to make sure that by your life you have left a spiritual heritage for the next generation? And they may be those that are directly descended from you. It may be those that are directly around you. But have you worked to make sure that your life and the way that you die and the means to which you live your life in your latter days is designed in such a way that you want others to know how great God is, not how great you are. My grandmother, Dolly Beck, she was... Uh, I remember her being taller when I was younger. But the older I got, the shorter she got. And, she was in the nursing home for a number of years, and I don't know if she shrunk or what, but I remember her standing up, and she was literally only about this tall. Uh, but I remember when she was going to church with us, she'd go from time to time. She was raised holiness, had her hair wrapped up in a bun in the back, and her, she had a really a different kind of bun that kind of circled her head, kind of like a, a hair halo, and it went around her head, and, and she would go with us to the Baptist church. It's funny, my, my grandmother was holiness, and my grandfather was Baptist, and so I guess I'm Baptocostal right there in the middle of it. And... Um, so my, my grandmother, she would come to church, and she would stand there. Those Baptists didn't know what to think about her because at the end of the service, she would stand up. And she wasn't much higher than a pew. And, but she would stand up, and she said, I love Jesus. They didn't know what to do with her. She went to the nursing home, and she would go, and there was a, a guy down the, that was in a wheelchair that was not able to move, apparently had some sort of an accident, or either he was born in this condition, and she would go down there, and she would sing hymns to him, and she would feed him and just have a good time with him down at the end of the hallway. Just a great lady. That lady who stayed in the room with her, that lady got on her nerves a little bit, and Daddy would come, and she said, don't give her any money. She asked everybody for money. You know, that was always kind of funny that she would say that. But you know, my grandmother left me more than anything else is just the knowledge that she really loved Jesus. She really genuinely did. My grandmama and granddaddy, um, of course, you know them. They've been here. You've met them. But the heritage that they leave is that my grandma and granddaddy really genuinely loved Jesus. And my grandparents can tell you one thing, and I believe that they were here, they would agree with me right now, that they want to be remembered. We all want to be remembered. But the main thing they want to be remembered for is the fact that they love Jesus. I look forward to the day that I'm able to see, all, that my grandfather is able to see in eternity all the people that he impacted for the gospel. And who's to say what's going to happen even in the generations to come from the ministry that he had in the lives of other people. But you know what? That kind of a ministry, that kind of impact isn't limited to pastors and preachers and teachers. Each one of us has that ability to invest in other people. Each one of us has that ability to, to really invest in a spiritual heritage. And the, we want them to like you at your funeral. We want them to talk about the pies that you baked and the, the hunting trips that you went on. And it's funny, I've done a number of funerals, and that's something that always comes up. Oh, Aunt Betty Sue, boy, she can make the best pecan cobbler you could ever imagine. Or Aunt Laura, oh my goodness, that coconut cake she used to make, oh my goodness. And then sometimes if it's a grumpy relative, they would say things like, oh, you know what she meant when she said it, because she spoke her mind. She was honest to the core. 
But I love it when we go to, go to funerals and they say, but I want to tell you something. She loved the bank and she loved her family. But I love it when they say, but she sure loved Jesus more than she loved anybody else. See, that's the spiritual heritage. When there is no doubt in the minds of those around you that you, in fact, love Jesus Christ. See, for my funeral, which Lord hopefully is going to be way, way, way into the future, not looking forward to planning it anytime soon, but we all know anything can happen at any time. But I really genuinely hope that. I know some things will be said. First thing that's going to be said is that's a pretty big casket. I know that. Um, second thing that will be said is I really feel sorry for his pallbearers. I may have to get the WWE wrestlers to come in there and carry me out. I actually heard that at a preacher that I know. His funeral not too long ago, they were carrying him, and somebody said, oh, my goodness, he's a heavy guy. And I thought, oh, that's bad. I don't want him to say that about me, but it, it is what it is. Um, some people will think I'm funny. Some people won't, so they may say that I have I had a decent sense of humor. But at the end of the day, I really want them to say just a few simple things, that I love my wife, that I love my children, and that I love Jesus. And here's the thing is, if, if, if I love my wife and I love my children, but they don't see that I love Jesus, that's a problem. You know, that's the truth of what he wanted. He wanted to leave a spiritual heritage. And while he's here, he was going to use his time to the best of his ability to point those around him to godliness. Peter was going to use the time that he had to, to reaffirm those that are walking with Christ, those that, are, that he has been really teaching either directly or indirectly through time and through letters and, and through him teaching other people. He's been shoring their belief together, but he knows his time is at hand. He knows his time is short, and he's thinking, how can I make sure that this future generation is ready for what is to come? And we're going to see that now as we come to verse 16. So he says here that he wanted to leave a spiritual heritage essentially to them. He knew that his time was at hand. And then he comes into verse 16 and Peter says yes, For we did not follow clearly, cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father... And the voice was born to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Verse 18. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven for we were with him on the holy mountain. And verse 19. We have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing, verse 20, this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. And finally, verse 21, for no prophecy has ever produced, was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Spirit. So we're going to take this in just a few verses and see what we can do with it in the time that we have left. So first we see in verse 15 again that Peter wanted to leave a spiritual heritage for those that were still left behind, those that still had the road before them, those that still had a, a long road to tread or a long path to walk down. But we see in verse 16 where he says about the cleverly devised myths, he wanted to make sure that they understood that the spiritual heritage that he left was based on observation and not imagination. You know, it's easy for people to look at Peter's life and say, well, he just made those stories up. In fact, at that time, they may have even said, well, Peter just made those stories up. There's no truth to all these stories that he's telling about Jesus. He picked this source and read about it. He picked this source and heard about it. But what Peter says in the scripture is that the story of Jesus is not just a story to him. 
It is actually a life event. He walked it. He lived it. He saw it. He experienced it. So when he says things about Christ, Peter is saying to them that he is one to be believed. He didn't make these things up. He was there, and not only was he there, but others were there with him. What's interesting, when you look at the Scriptures, even as these letters were circulating during this time, there were people that experienced many of the things that we see here in the Scriptures. These were not just things that they thought happened, but there were people in their midst who had seen these things happen and experienced these things. So Peter says he wanted to leave a spiritual heritage, and he wanted them to know that he's leaving it based on what he saw, what he experienced, not what he imagined. He says that they're going to think that we follow these cleverly devised myths. When we told you about Jesus, when we told you about what he did, they're going to say that we made these things up. But Peter says, we were eyewitnesses of his what? Majesty. You trust the person who's been there. You trust the person who's seen it. You don't trust the person that's heard about it. Oh, that's some good steak at that place. Really, have you tried it? No, my friend Bessie went. She said it was pretty good. I don't know, Bessie. I don't know if Bessie's, Bessie may not have taste buds in her mouth. I want to talk to somebody who really knows how it tastes. Oh, I think when you go there, you've got to do this, this, and this. Well, how do you know? Well, I heard you've got to do this, this, this when you get there. Well, let me talk to somebody who actually knows what you've got to do when you get there. I don't want some side conversation to let me know what to expect when I go to the White House. I don't want a side conversation to know what the streets are like in Washington, D.C. so I can get to the right place. I don't want a side person to tell me that's never experienced it, what it's like to go to the Smithsonian and go through security. I want somebody who's been there so they can tell me exactly what to expect. And so Peter says, I'm not telling you as somebody who heard it. I'm not telling you as somebody who imagined it. I'm telling you as somebody who experienced it. The second thing that we see as we come through here is in verse 17, where it says, For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. Well, first we said again that a spiritual heritage is based on observation and walking within Christian faith. But also Peter says here that a spiritual heritage is planted and confirmed by the words of God spoken through his very mouth and through also those that are called. And what we see in verse 17 is this reality that the scriptures can be trusted because the prophetic word that comes, and we'll see this in just a moment, is given by God. So when we see the scriptures and we read the scriptures, these are the words of God being spoken to us through Peter. These are the words of God being spoken to us through Paul. These are the words of God being spoken to us through Matthew. These are the words of God being spoken to us through Moses. Every revelation, everything in the scriptures that we see, it is given to us by the very word of God, given to man, spoken through them, and God has protected his word as has been transmitted. So when we received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was born to Him by the majestic glory, He says in verse 18, We ourselves heard this voice born from heaven, for we were with Him on the holy mountain. And we, verse 19 again, have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place. So Peter says in his spiritual heritage, it's been planted, confirmed by the words of God. And we also see as we come here, Knowing this, first of all, this prophecy, this spiritual heritage, if ignored, is really to be ignored at our own peril. Peter's saying, what I'm telling you, it's not just good advice. 
What I'm telling you is not just something helpful to do. What I'm telling you really comes from the very mouth of God. And if you want to be like God and you want to be right with God, then follow the words that He has given you. Because verse 20, He says this, No prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So a spiritual heritage that he's about to give or trying to impart to them is also one that points to Christ, to Christ alone and its revelation. So what is Peter trying to say here as we close and try to pull these pieces together? Uh, Peter is just basically telling them that, again, it's good to be reminded. It's good to be reminded, and you're being reminded, Peter says, from somebody who's been there, who's experienced it, who's heard from God. You're being reminded so that you can live out that prophecy in your own life, that you can live out the Word of God in your own life, and knowing that what I have spoken to you is truth. And you do well, as we see in verse 19, to pay attention, not just observe it or to see it, but he says to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place. I don't know about you going down the road to see somebody's lights on the outside of their driveway. They've got two of them there in the middle of the night. What does it look like when you're driving towards your house? Looks like a car, right? And all you can see are those two lights. I shared with you a couple of weeks ago about that, whatever it was, a meteor that, that struck outside the car up in the sky and just how amazing that was to see that Carter was in the car with me. Lights shone with green. There was no way to miss it. It was just such an, something amazing to see. You've ever sat there and watched a shooting star, or watched a series of shooting stars in the sky? It's just amazing to see that fly through the sky. But the truth, as we see here, is this: is that God has given us a revelation, and Peter, in his last day, says that I want to make sure that I leave a spiritual heritage, and my spiritual heritage is about Christ and Christ alone. Now we'll see next week as we go into chapter two why he says that. And he says that because there are going to be people out there who try to tell us a false gospel. There are going to be people out there that try to, to try to teach us and lead us astray. So the first thing Peter does today is he reminds us that what he says is trustworthy and true, given directly from God, his instruction to them, and so they can have the same type of spiritual heritage. But the reason he's telling that because there are those that are out there that seek, and, that seek to destroy the gospel of Christ. So, as you think today, as we close today, this, is, this sermon is kind of a bridge to the one that's to come. Sometimes sermons feel like that. They're just kind of a bridge to what's coming up. We're going to pray as we get to that, that next section that God will speak to us mightily through His Word. And that we will see the heart of Peter as he writes this letter. That we will see the implications in the life of those that he was speaking to. And also the implications for us in our own lives.